You're listening to a podcast from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Aaron Ricabo talks about God being the Lord of our possessions, stewarding what God has given us for His glory. Well, good morning, everyone. You know, as I was preparing for this preaching this week, I actually got a letter from the bank to say basically, hey, you know, your fixed rate is ending next month. Basically, come, come to us so we can tell you how much more money you have to pay us. I mean, not essentially that, but pretty much was their words. And as I got that letter, I was just looking into mortgages, you know, just looking more into finances and stuff because, I mean, I do quite like my financial uh, news. But what I found here when I was looking, what I found was housing, no matter if you're renting or if you have a mortgage, it's the biggest expense that you will ever own. Now, I'm sure that's probably something we already know. But I was actually looking at the statistics of mortgages in Australia. Now, as of September 2023, this was in a CanStar um, article that they took statistics from ABS. What we found, well, what they found, I should say, is that the average national mortgage is just under $600,000. Now, in ACT, it's a little bit higher. In ACT, we find that the average mortgage is $810,000 for a new house, but for an existing it's just under $630,000. Now, if you take, based on a 30-year loan at 6.67%, your repayments, if you're in the ACT, is four to $5,000 per month. Now, the national average is just around $3,500 per month. And don't worry, it's the last number I'll tell you so you won't get too bored. But the average monthly income in Australia is $6,000. So what this tells us is that basically more than half of your income goes towards paying the house. Not only this, our mortgages take roughly, what, 30 years to pay off. That's like one third of your whole life that you are working to pay off your house. Now, we all know that homes are a good investment. So it's not like we're necessarily wasting our time, wasting our resources on the mortgage. But we also know that it's not an easy job to do. We've all felt the sacrifice. We've, you know, gave up on that dream holiday. Maybe we've had to settle for a less flashy car. Or, you know, we've had to sell some investments, maybe our collections, so we can cut back on expenses. And perhaps for some of us, we are working a second job or working a job we dislike, but, but it pays the bills, right? So there are so many ways that we give up, that we surrender our, what we would like to do so we can obtain the grand prize of owning a house. Now, these sacrifices, these hardships, they, they're normal. They're expected of us even if we want to obtain the prize. Now, I think you probably know where I'm going with with this one, because much like with a mortgage or that goal of owning a place, we also have a spiritual prize that we are running for. Now, I say running for, not trying to earn, because obviously we don't earn our place in heaven. So, this brings us to our topic of today, which is Lord of our Possessions. Now, last week, Alex gave us a powerful preaching about Jesus being the Lord of our lives. And today we will be looking and exploring into 
Lord of our possessions. Now, our main reading comes from Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 to 46. So if you have your Bibles, please open it to that passage. And as always, we read from the ESV. So, I will start. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, I want to give a bit of context of this parable before we dive into what Lord of our possessions really means. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is actually speaking a variety of parables. Now, these parables, including the one that we just read, is for the listener to know and to understand, get a better grasp of what the kingdom of heaven will be like. If we go back a few verses in verse 10, to 11, it reads, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered to them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. If you read on in verse 13, we also find out that Jesus is speaking them in parables uh, for a reason as an act of mercy. Because if Jesus spoke plainly to them, and if they did not believe his words, their punishment would be greater. But that's a bit of a digression, and in fact, we actually looked into parables in an earlier series. So if you are curious about that one, do check out our Spotify. Our podcasts are up there with our earlier series. But I want to go back to our parable in focus today, the pearl of great value. This parable is giving us, giving the listener, giving the reader a better picture of how valuable the kingdom of heaven is, that it's so valuable that you would sacrifice everything for But I want us to recognize something. The kingdom of heaven cannot be accessed without Jesus. So don't mistake the pearl for heaven. That's actually how I used to see it before. No, the actual value is Jesus. We sacrifice everything for him. We give everything up for him. So now that we have a bit more of a context of what this parable is, as this is pretty much the foundation of Lord over my possessions, let's dive into our actual topic. Now, I've written three questions to dive deeper on this topic. So, to dive deeper, I want to first answer what does Lord over my possessions actually mean? Well, first of all, it's important to just realize, come to terms that the possessions that we have are not ours to begin with. Much like a mortgage, right? Our house really isn't ours, it's the bank's. And if you're renting, your house isn't yours, it's your landlord's. And in Job 41.11, it's put greatly here. Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. God owns all things. So what are possessions? What are your possessions? Now, this isn't a trick question. I want you to start making a list in your mind. It's an easy question to answer. It's the money in our bank. It's the house we live in, of course, with that caveat. It's the clothes we wear, the food we eat, the car we drive, the phone we're glued to every day. The list goes on and on. But you know, our possessions, it goes further than just the material things that we are thinking of. I would say our possessions are also these things up here on the screen. Your spouse, your husband, your wife, your kids, 
Now, you're probably thinking, well, you know, my, my wife isn't actually a possession. Well, not in the material kind of way, but you don't really refer to your wife as this woman over here. If you do, you might get in trouble. Your time, your time is also another one of your possessions. I mean, we trade our time for money, right, when we go to jobs. And speaking of jobs, our job, our job is a possession in a sense as well. Your talents, they are possessions. We all have some sort of talent. Maybe we're good at maths, good at driving, I don't know. But not only do we have natural talents, we have also been given spiritual talents or spiritual gifts when we became part of the body of Christ. And speaking of body, of course, our body is another one of our possessions. Now, you might be under the impression that, yes, this body is mine. But remember, we were given this body. So we can't do as we please. And as Alex explained last week, our body, our soul, is not ours to begin with as we were bought with a price. So I hope this list gives us a better picture, a better understanding of what possessions are. So as I keep going, whenever I talk about possessions, think of it in this holistic sense. But what does this actually mean for us? Well, as I said earlier, it means the Lord owns everything, which means the Lord owns all of these things too. It also means when we made a commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ, when we surrendered our lives to him, not only did we surrender our lives, we surrendered everything that came with it, including the possessions that we supposedly own. And further, that means God can do whatever he pleases with the possessions that he has given you. So that brings me then to my next question of why. Why should I recognize that Jesus is Lord over my possessions? What, why does this even matter? Now, I'm going to spend a bit more time on this one as this is probably the most important question to understand. And when we truly understand why it's important that Jesus is Lord over my possessions, our perspectives will start to shift. It will change on how we see our possessions. One way our perspective will change is that we will soon and we will start to understand that Jesus will always provide for us. We will understand that we will never lack what we need. Not what we want, but what we need. Let me put it another way. So at work, we're provided with what we need to complete our jobs. At my job in particular, I'm one of them office jockeys, so I'm just on a desk all day, but I'm given a laptop. I'm given software in that laptop. I have a chair, a desk, monitor, headsets, so forth. The list goes on, well, finitely. But any good employer would supply their employees with possessions, with equipment to do their job, right? Now, I know that none of the equipment that works actually given me is mine. But I was given this for the purpose of fulfilling my duties at work. And key part, this is fulfilling the duties I was hired for. I can't just install video games onto my laptop and not get in trouble for that. And this is very much the same with God. God has blessed all of us here with possessions of some sort, whether that was material, relational, or talents. So when God has blessed us with possessions, we must be using them for the purpose that we were given, the purpose of serving him. So maybe God has blessed us or blessed you with children. If you are blessed with children, the purpose of this possession is to teach them the ways of the faith. 
Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you are blessed with a job, you work well. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Maybe you are blessed with the possession of financial abundance. If so, Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. And we were all blessed with talents, right? And being part of the body of Christ, we have spiritual gifts. In Romans 12, 6 to 7, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching. And I'm sure there's a lot of other possessions that I didn't list down that you probably think of. But God has provided these possessions for us with the purpose of serving him. Now, that pretty much answered my next uh, perspective change, which was that our possessions should be used for, for a purpose. But I just want to sum that up by the wisest man to ever live. King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12.13, The end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Our duty, our purpose, is to serve God. God has given us the tools to do this. And part of this toolkit is the possessions that he has given us. Now, the biggest perspective change that we will get once we understand that Jesus is Lord over our possessions is our possessions can be taken away. Now, this is, the, I would say, a very important one to grasp, but it's also the hardest thing to understand and to go through. When we understand that Jesus is Lord of our possessions, it means that he can take it away from us at any time. In Job 1.21, it reads, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I want us to encourage you. We shouldn't be anxious over this fact that the Lord can take our possessions away. We shouldn't be walking on eggshells with the thought, oh no, God might take my house away. Oh no, God might take my job away. Oh no, God might take my child away. Rather, we should be walking in peace. We should be walking with gratitude and we should be worshipping the Lord over this fact because he is sovereign and it is him who is taking it away. God knows what's best for us and that might mean taking a possession away from us. But I love how Job put it here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Job, uh, I do highly recommend this book. It's probably one of my most favorite books in the whole of the Bible. So I'll give a very, very quick summary of it because it's quite a long one. But basically, a man named Job, very righteous man, uh, suffers because the Lord allows Satan to basically torment Job. Now, I'll summarize even just chapter one, uh, as this is where our verse is coming from. But here, Job was introduced as a righteous man who feared God. Now, he was a very blessed man. He was incredibly rich, and he had a large family. He had many, many children. But by verse 21, what we find is that his livestock was raided. Essentially, he lost all of his riches. 
and his children, every single one of his kids, perished in a freak accident. But after all these calamities and much more calamities to come to him, what was written in verse 22 is that Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. I want to spend a bit of time on verse 22. Job did not sin. Not if, but when we find ourselves in a similar position to Job. When we find ourselves going through some tribulation, when we find ourselves that God is taking our possessions away, we do not sin. It's easy to find ourselves sinning when we're going through a tribulation or when we're just coming out of it. Because sin is pleasurable. Sin gives us this temporary comfort. I don't know, maybe if you have a tendency, a temptation to drink, you might drink your problems away. If you have a tendency for drugs, you might relapse and go into illicit drugs. Or maybe if you have an anger problem, you might start to get unjustly angry at other people during this time of trial. And while you're going through this, you might start to deceive yourself, to think, you know what, God understands me. God really knows my heart. He knows I'm actually pure, but he knows I'm going through this trial, this tribulation. So I'm sure he will just allow the sin. You're right. God will allow you to sin, but he will never condone your sin. Sinning never glorifies God. Sinning, no matter the situation you are in, does not glorify God. It's hard, but do not sin. And the second part is, Job, he did not charge God with wrong. Now, we've heard stories, or maybe even a personal story of yours, of people blaming, raising their fists towards God when calamity strikes or when our possessions are taken away from us. Perhaps, you know, God is taking away your job, so now you can't pay the bills. Maybe God has taken away your health, so now you are struck with illness. Or maybe God has taken away the life of a loved one. Now, these situations, they have caused many people to turn their backs on the Lord. And they ask themselves, how? How can God do this to me? But what they fail to realize is that these possessions, they were never theirs to begin with. So maybe for some of us here today, this applies to us right now. Maybe God is taking something away from you that he has given to you, and you really don't know why. Now, if this is you, don't charge God with wrong. He didn't do any wrong. Rather, pray. Ask him for wisdom. In fact, in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Now, this verse was actually in the context of tribulations. In James chapter 1, it talks about, you know, being joyful when we go through trials and tribulations. So this verse is definitely speaking to when our possessions are taken away. So when we find ourselves that we are being taken away from something, or when our possessions are taken away, be like Job. Number one, we praise God when our possessions are taken we do not sin, and we do not charge God with wrong. So my final point is how. How do I put this 
into practice? How do I put into practice that Jesus is Lord over my possessions? Well, I hope during this whole preaching, you probably got the how, but I want us to just summarize what we've gone through. Number one, we do this by living in faith. We live in faith because we know that God will provide all our needs. Number two, we remember that our possessions have a purpose. We use our purpose to glorify God. And number three, we do not withhold from God. Our possessions were never ours to begin with, which means God can take it away. If God calls for his possession back, we do not withhold from him. It was never ours to begin with. Now, as I conclude today's word, I want to share one last story. Now, this story is basically an extended version of the parable that we looked into today. And it was written by our Argentinian brother, uh, Juan Carlos Ortiz. And let's read. A man seeing this pearl says to the merchant, I want this pearl. How much is it? The seller says, oh, it's very expensive. Well, how much? A lot. Well, do you think I can buy it? The man asks. Oh, yes, yes, says the merchant. Everyone can buy it. But I thought you said it was expensive. I did. Well, how much? Everything you have, says the seller. All right, then. I'll buy it, says the man. Okay. What do you have, asks the seller. Mm, well, I have $10,000 in the bank. Good, uh, $10,000. What else? That's, that's all I have. Nothing more, the seller asks. Well, I have a few more dollars in my pocket. How much, asks the seller. Let's see. $100. That's mine too, says the seller. What else do you have? That's all. Nothing more. Where do you live, asks the seller. In my house? Yes, I own a home. The seller writes down, ah, house. That's mine now. Where do you expect me to sleep? In my camper? Oh, you have a camper, do you? Well, that's mine now too. What else? What, am I supposed to sleep in my car? You have a car? Yeah, I own two of them. They're mine now. Now the man frustrated says, look, you've taken my money, my house, my camper, and my cars. Where's my family supposed to live? You have a family. Yes, I have a wife and three kids. They're mine now. Suddenly, the seller exclaims, oh, I almost forgot. You, yourself. Everything becomes mine. You, your wife, your children, your house, your money, your cars, and you too. Then he goes on. Now listen. I will allow you to use all these things for the time being. But don't forget, they are all mine, just as you are. And whenever I need any of them, you must give them up, because I am now their owner. As true Christians, 
we have obtained the precious pearl. We have now a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But though this is a free gift, it does cost, off, cost us everything if we are truly serving Christ. He is now Lord over our lives and also over all our possessions. Remember, when Jesus needs any of our possessions, we must give them up because he is now the owner. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for blessing each and every one of us with the possessions that you have given us. I pray that you keep this message in each of our hearts so that we understand that you are not only Lord of our lives, but Lord of our possessions. Lord, give us the heart to surrender all that we have for you. Give us the heart to just surrender it to you when you need them. In your mighty name, I pray. Amen. Cool. Well, thank you, church, for coming today. Uh, and that pretty much concludes today's message. Now, do we have any testimonies that anyone would like to share today? Is there anything anyone would like to come up and say? Anyone? I'm going to pick at random if no one. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no? That's all good then. I'll start with mine. Thank you, Aaron. That was such a powerful message that you gave us this morning. You're familiar with the story of uh, Jesus and the rich man, right? We read that in Matthew. Uh, there was this rich man who approached him and said, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, you should obey the commandments. I already did all of them, the Ten Commandments. And this is what Jesus told him. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And we read after that, the man became very sad because he was very wealthy. And it just dawned on me. Aaron, thank you for sharing that. I think of three Ps when we talk about uh, possessions. Jesus does not condemn people for being rich. The first thing I think that Jesus wanted this man to realize is priority. This man prioritizes or prioritizes wealth more than anything else. And it could happen to all of us. Jesus does not condemn people who have a lot of money. There are a lot of Christians who have a lot of money. But Jesus is telling us, where is your priority? That's number one. Number two, uh, Aaron talked about it. We were given our resources, our blessings for a purpose. That's very important. Number three, God will provide in the times when we need the provision, and he will give us peace at times when we're feeling in lack. When I left the Philippines, uh, I had a very good job. I was managing three radio stations. I had a very lucrative construction business, which was earning millions. And God said, leave all of that behind and go to Australia with your family. And we did. But I was brokenhearted. 
because I knew that I'm losing the opportunity to make more money. When you go to your social media, you read of a lot of articles on how to be rich. You know, you read about the stories of people who started out as a housewife and now she's earning millions. It's all about how to make more money. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just that when we become so engrossed in making money, then our priorities change. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. So when we came to Australia, I, when Aaron said about knowing the Lordship of Christ over all your possessions, you realize that uh, you start to get a different perspective on how you view money. When I was in the Philippines, I remember when I was younger, when I was just starting in radio, I said, if I get two million pesos, I will retire and I'll be the happiest person in the world. Before I became 30 years old, I had two million, two million pesos in my account. And I said, there should be more than this. So I wasn't contented. I thought that was it. So my, my desire when I was in the Philippines was to just be rich and how to have more money. When I came to Australia, I realized that there's more to life than just money. Not because, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're rich in Australia, but because I, in a way, when I came here, I, I realized that, you know, if you're rich, people will just say, good on you. And that's it. They, they go on with their lives. In the Philippines, people look up to you if you're rich. You know, every, every, every celebrity would post this and that, and every other poor Filipino would aspire, I want to be like that. There's nothing wrong with it, again, I said. But when I came to Australia, I realized that God is more important than anything else. And it's easy to say that, because when we came here, we had a bit of money uh, in the bank. We sold our properties in Manila, and we came here with not a, not a huge amount of money, but some money that you would, be feel, you would feel comfortable with. And just recently, God took that all away. We, we came to a point in our lives, just recently, the past few months, when we were really financially, financially low. Uh, those who were close to us know about this. We started the business, and it took like six months for us to be able to finally start. And in those six months, it was just like money being drained out to the point that we really had almost no money. And we came to realize that we were, it was easy for us to say that I trust God because, you know, at the back of your mind, you have some money in the bank. But God said, I would like to see your heart if I take that money and you'd still say you trust me. And to tell you honestly, that was the hardest part. Because when you look at your math, when you do your math, it's impossible. There's no way that you can, you know, pay for your debts and bills. But we, we came to a point where we said, there's nothing more we can do. Lord, bahala ka na. And, you know, I can go on for the rest of the day talking about how good and faithful God is and still is in our lives. We just launched Ikigai. It's doing really very well. And uh, I just want to let you know that there are times in your life when you feel like uh, there's no hope. But as we learn today, 
First, you know, you should know that uh, now the toilet bowls and everything, and you should clean this every day. You remember Joe Domingo, I had this pride over my head, and you have to clean this every day. If I get pink, you get punked. And I said, what's that? I, 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 so, you know, it was, it's, it's a humbling experience. But when I said that prayer, I said, you know, I'm doing this for the Lord. So I, that section in Magnet Mart was always the cleanest and best section. You know, I had to clean the, they're not dirty toilets, they're just on display. But, you know, the, just the thought of cleaning them every day, it humbles you. And when you know that whatever you're doing, you're doing for the Lord, it doesn't really matter what you're doing because you're doing it for the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, sometimes we get so worried about money, where to get it, how to get it, how to earn more. Lord, we surrender to you all our fears about our finances, about our possessions. Thank you for reminding us that everything belongs to you. You said, the earth and all its glory is mine. Lord, help us to rest in that truth so that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We just have to think about today because today has its worries of its own. And whatever it is that bothers us, that keeps us awake at night, Lord, we give them to you. We surrender everything to you. May you be the Lord of our life, the Lord of our possessions, the Lord of our time, the Lord of our home. May it be so evident in the way we live that our children will see it, that others will see it, and they too will know that we serve a God who provides. Thank you, Lord, for who you are in our lives. We dedicate our lives to you. We surrender to you everything with open arms and open hands. Lord, take it. It is yours. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, everyone. Let's give God a praise. And I'll see you again next week for Jesus is the Lord of our home. And I'll be doing the preaching next week. So I hope to see you next week, next Saturday. God bless you all. Have a beautiful weekend. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more podcasts and for more information on Every Nation Canberra, please visit everynationcanberra.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra and on Instagram at instagram.com slash encanberra. We meet every Saturday at 104 The Valley Avenue, Gungahlin. Would you like to be connected to a tag group? Email us at everynationcanberra at gmail.com.